You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> I'm Terry Goodlad. Welcome back to uh, Goodlad Unscripted, the podcast. I have the uh, my buddy, my buddy, my close buddy, Lee Thompson, with me today. Uh, Lee uh, is the husband of Jennifer Thompson. Now, we just did a podcast a couple days ago with Jen uh, announcing uh, her, you know, being the, the new CEO of the NSL. Lee stepped down. We talked about that, that you had stepped down from that CEO position. Of course, you and Jen founded the NSL. Um, that uh, you were moving on to focus on your ministry. So I wanted to get you in here, Lee, and talk about this ministry thing, because I'm sure everybody's going, what? <laughs> like <laughs> anybody that knows Lee, right, would go, okay, okay, what's this about, right? And so I, I want to talk about that. Now, uh, um, Now you and Jen started the NSL, what, was it like two years ago? Uh, it'd be November of 2016. Okay, yes. yeah. So it's uh, not quite two years. Coming up, yeah. Wow. You guys have done some amazing things since since then. It's gone fast. It's it's been uh, I can't even believe it. it's coming up on two years. Wow. I, on that note, I'm going to talk real quick about. I, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Terry. It's 2015. I'm sorry. Oh, so we're at, we're almost at three years. Three years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I got lost in the time. Flies. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we get underway, I want to mention uh, that this show is brought to you by BlessedBodywear.com. Of course, my wife Anna owns the company. She makes the most amazing fitness wear in the world. Just so you know, the pants she designs them all. Lee, you've seen some of the stuff. We've got a production run going right now. Well, Terry, I, I do the laundry in our household, so I fold those things, and they're awesome. They're soft, and I just sit there sometimes just like rub them on my face because they're so soft. <laughs> you, you, you never say that out loud. It's okay. transparency. It's just, it is what it is. They are very soft, so guys, I recommend that you buy them for your wives because if you do the laundry like me, you'll enjoy them a just lot more. Go to blessedbodywear.com. You see the butt shots, and that's what it'll do to your butt, right? That's it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, blessedbodywear.com, uh, you're supporting an incredible woman doing some incredible things, some incredible charitable things that we'll talk about at another time. But uh, great company, great product. And Lee Thompson rubs the tights on his face. And so that's probably the best endorsement <laughs> we could have, right? That's it. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, well, there's so many things I want to talk about. First of all, let's talk about our history. Uh, for years, I covered all of the the top shows for uh, Oxygen Magazine for, you know, the, the biggest bodybuilding organization in the world. Uh, and, of course, that's where we met. Uh, you were one of the judges, a promoter, uh, very, very high up in the organization and, and uh, had a lot of power, a lot of control. You were the Texas chairman, uh, promoted a lot of shows, arguably probably one of the biggest, most powerful guys in the organization other than the people that owned and ran the organization. Uh, now, at that time, you and I, we started off as buddies, and then we sort of had a, a shift there. And then uh, we really didn't like each other for a lot of years. And uh, and now, in the last year, we've kind of reconnected and for, forgave each other, yeah. offered each other forgiveness. Uh, but that reconnection has been around God. My walk with God, your walk with God. Uh, now, for some people, this is a big shift. People that knew you before... Uh, and I'm just being honest now, do you agree that that for them, it's probably a big shocking shift and they, they want to know more like I, okay, where'd this come from? What's this about? I'm sure if they were doing cardio right now, some may have fallen <laughs> off a treadmill when they heard that I had a ministry or that the word God was being associated with me. So, or if they're driving, I pray that everybody's safe right now. So I'm exactly. sure it would be shocking. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, uh, where you were and what changed. I know in my life, I know what changed. It was quite a few years ago. Uh, but it was, uh, probably, uh, well, not probably it was an equally drastic shift 
in my life when I found God. Um, and, and then uh, probably a lot less visible because nobody, you know, it wasn't front and center like you were in the world, right? And, and, uh, but this thing was a big, big shift for you. And I want to talk to you about that. What, what was the thing? What was, you know, where were you before? And what was the thing that changed everything for you? Um, I was lost in the world, man. I was, I was lost in, in pride and ego and arrogance and, uh, you know, lost, uh, you know, just turning and burning relationships, not only with male friends, but through females and burning through marriages and, and things were crazy. So, you know, I was, I was really searching for an identity. I had, um, an orphan spirit, not really knowing my father. Now explain what that means. Yeah. What's an orphan spirit? Well, not knowing who my dad was, yeah. you know, my, my, my worldly dad. And so I didn't have an identity. So I tried to form an identity wherever I was. And so I would live life in pots. So Terry, you and I had a relationship. The same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had the same issues as you. Okay. I didn't have a father either. And, and so you just live, uh, you know, it's a chameleon type lifestyle. So you're living for, you know, the persons that you're hanging around with and you never let them all get together because all the lies that you've told start to mingle and then it gets very stressful and then you're trying to work your way out. And it's just, it's a horrible life. And so you're lost into that. Uh, and then combine that with, uh, you know, pride. You know, when somebody would call you out, I mean, you're, you're going to go go to battle with them, you know, war to war. <laughs> you want to stand up and you want to be physical. Right. Uh, so it, it's just a painful world. But it was, it was you know, there was also good times. I mean, people have seen me, you know, I, you know, you were happy. You had money. You had, you know, clothes, houses, cars, all that stuff. But what, you know, what some people see. You're always a nice guy. And I mean, you've been very productive in your life. You know, you... You amassed a tremendous amount of wealth, a tremendous amount of success in business. It wasn't like you were this, you know, selling, you know, old people for chicken parts or something like that. <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, you were doing good, productive things yes. for, for the world, right? Yeah, the, you know, like I said, there were, there were blessings in my life that I did not deserve, um, but they were there. And, and so I was, I was very successful business-wise, uh, and I found myself uh, in, in the sport of uh, bodybuilding in, in the late 90s. I was writing uh, checks for Best Poser Awards. Uh, you know, I wanted to get in and really help these athletes grow. And, uh, you know, eventually I made my way into the organization. I competed for a little bit. Uh, I wasn't very good, just a side <laughs> note, uh, which is why I became a judge. Uh, I used the business skills. And Those that can't skills. do judge. That's right. When you cannot bodybuild, you judge bodybuilders, and that way you have control. But I used, the, uh, I used that, that entrepreneurship and, mm-hmm. and that understanding to build, uh, you know, the organization and working uh, with the leader of the organization to, to build it. When I started um, with the organization in the early 2000s, I mean, the amateur shows were 75 to 125 people. National shows were pushing 200. I mean, that was a really big thing. Yeah. Uh, when, when I left in 2015, I just finished promoting the largest show in the history of amateur bodybuilding. Yeah. Phil uh, Heath show. The Phil Heath 2015. We had 1,000 amateur athletes for a non-pro qualifier. So it was rocking. Things were rolling. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but you get lost in ego and your pride. And, uh, you know, God has an amazing way to use things uh, in your life to get you to do his will, uh, even if you don't want to, right? Even if you're not a believer in God, God will make sure that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, so he used my pride to get me to move away from the organization. He, he did that in two ways. Uh, one, he brought a beautiful, amazing woman into my life. Jen. Jen, yes. Uh, 
I'm known as Jen's husband now. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, the, how those roles are reversed. You know, I'm, she, an, I'm Anna's husband too, so yeah, I'm Mr. T. Gray even. That's even worse. Okay. We check into hotels and, and we use hotels.com, right? Oh, okay. Yes, so yes. she's it's her account, right? Because she was always booking all our trips and stuff like that. So everywhere we go, I'm, hello, Mr. T. Gray. And I'm going like, yeah, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I just I, learned to live with yeah, it. Yeah, I'd rather be Anna's husband, but now I'm, I'm you know, Mr. T. Gray. Now I've taken her name as well. So Well, at least they spell I, I it, pronounce it right. I'm like, Mr. Tiger, how are you? you <laughs> exactly <laughs> mr tiger but you know they you, you know god moved jen into my life and what was amazing is before we were married we, we dated uh, you know about two years prior maybe two and a half three years prior and i, I didn't i believed in a god i knew god i uh, just was not uh, a christian walking in that that lifestyle but as jen and i were dating i heard a you know a voice in my heart say you know this is my daughter if you mess this up it will not go well with you and I'm like, wow. So I pick up the phone, call Jen. We cannot date because I will screw this up so mm-hmm. fast. And whatever that voice was, I trust that it was God, and he doesn't lie. Right, I do know right. that for a fact. So, right. you know, we got to break up. But, you know, he, he used Jen in my life, and, and she became uh, an influence of goodness. Um, and so in, in 2015, you know, she started, you know, pointing some things out to me, opening my eyes to, to things, going, you know, why are they like this? Why are they like that? And uh, so the things that what I was— What kind of things? Well, at my level, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, one of the top officials. So I'm, I'm managing not only contests, but I'm, I'm helping with money accounts and, and sponsorships and things like gotcha. that. So we're moving around deals for athletes. We're moving around contest scoring. And, you know, as you can see, I, I think. By so the, just stuff that was inappropriate. Inappropriate stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Right. And, and before, I, before there was a gin, there was, you know. How much right. do you want to help, you know, right. <laughs> to the to the female athletes? How much, how far do you want to go? Which magazine do you want to be in shooting? And obviously, you know that. You're, right. you're a photographer. So I would move some things around to make some things happen that would benefit me and maybe help somebody else. And uh, and, and so they were just not appropriate things um, in any business. Right. Uh, and what was interesting is how I got from the oil and gas business, um, you know, which was somewhat a lot un- unethical there as well. But yeah, I suppose, but in a different level. Different level. You're dealing with with money and people who are willing to do it. Here, you're you know you're um, you're leaning over somebody with your weight, right. you know, of, of your power and authority, making them bow down to you. And in and, and business, you may be you know pay for play. You know, right. pay you. You make sure I get this contract, get that contract. But there's no bullying in that sense. Right now. Uh, you know, you talk about the power of God. Let's talk about the power of the enemy for a second. Okay. You leave the oil and gas business where you had a tremendous amount of success. Uh, I assume that your daily work there didn't involve uh, the, some of the shenanigans you were involved with in, in the fitness industry. Stepping into the fitness industry, did that cause an escalation or a new manifestation of, of some of those behaviors? You know, they were probably hidden deep inside of me, but it did bring them out. I was I was uh, married at the time, uh, mm-hmm. 15 years, you know, uh, to my wife at that time. And when I got in the industry, I mean, the enemy showed lust. I mean, the, the eyes yeah. of, of lust opened up. And, and the enemy also used the sport because in the sport, athletes are taught the more you give, the more you get. Right. You know, and, and, and so it's a willing, both male and female. And I mean, I... I come from the same place, right? And and I don't want to be make disparaging remarks about anybody or any particular organization because it's not. I, I covered many organizations, and it's not unique to just one. No, that's correct. Uh, it's one of those things where you know we we want to get ahead in life. We want some fame. We want this. I mean, this is what Hollywood is. You know, and on a much smaller scale. Uh, all the stuff we're hearing now about the whole Me Too movement and like that. I mean, good Lord, you know, the the fitness industry was certainly rife with that. And it it wasn't just with contests. You see it with 
supplement companies and you see it with photographers and magazine editors and I saw the whole gamut and ultimately that's why I left is that I didn't feel that I knew I didn't belong there but I I knew that I couldn't do anything about it any longer well and 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 I think that was the, the point is when I started in it it was always for the good I wanted to bring in a skill set that I did not see in others. Um, it wasn't a business mentality, if you will. It was, you know, right. something was already built by the, these weeder guys, and let's just continue rolling with it. But I saw vision, and I had vision. I said, we, we have to do this. I remember in um, about 2011, I said, you know, guys, we need to do this bikini division because I'm watching a lot of girls walk around these shows looking at guys, and people are like, no, nah, we're never going to do bikini. No, right, that's right. crazy. You know, it's a bunch of models. Nobody wants them on stage. I said, okay, well, then I'm going to put on modeling shows at my events. And I'll show you guys. And I, no, no, no. If you want to do bikini, you put on the first show. I'm like, done. You know, yeah. the next year I came back and said, guys, let's do this men's physique because I'm seeing these young guys now that are not bodybuilders following these bikini yeah. girls. Like, no, we're not doing that either because, yeah. you know, those guys may be, you know, on the other side of things. I said, you know, have you really not looked at our sport? I think right. we're already past that. <laughs> and, and, and so we brought in, you know, bikini and, and, and men's physique. And I believe that really pushed the organization forward and gave it some longevity to it to itself. But with that kind of that kind of a shift and I was there during that shift that's basically when I left. But those are the don't you agree that and I don't want to get off on a tangent with this cuz this is really about you and your walk with God but don't you see that the do you agree that 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 just creates more opportunity for somebody that is is prone to this, weak with this, it's you know, got Satan in his ear. That that that's, it's it's like it's like getting a guy that's a, an alcoholic to to run the bar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've got carte blanche. You can do whatever you want. You yeah, know. We're breaking out the top shelf stuff now. You know? Right. Right. And it's just one of those things. So when did you realize that this was a toxic environment for you, and you had to get out, or or did you have that realization? No, I, I did. Um, it would have been March of 2015. Uh, what happened? At, at the Arnold. Um, it was an event that, that took place between me and an, another leader uh, over scoring uh, that was gone bad, gone away, and, and I had just had enough. And I was scheduled to take over the organization in September of 2015. So, you know, we're a couple months out. Uh, so when you're a prideful guy already, an ego, mm-hmm. and you're only about six months from being handed, you know, the crown, you began pushing harder and harder. And so I began making some things, making some statements going, things are going to change and they're going to change very quickly. And the other gentleman, I, you know, was head to head with, uh, you know, didn't like what he was hearing. And, and so it, it created a lot of, a lot of riff and, um, and a lot of problems, but I began cha- something in me began changing. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It was just that these things went right. And if we were going to survive as an industry, I felt like we had to start doing good. Something wanted me to do good. I had no idea because things were pretty and good. Where did that come from? You know, I know now. Yeah. I know but now. But at the time, did it cross your mind? Like, where's this coming from? Did you second guess yourself? I thought my wife was hypnotizing me. At really? Night. <laughs> <I spent laughs> no, something in my food. Yeah, yeah, something's going on in my food. Uh, you know, maybe her goodness is wearing <laughs> off on me because Jen was just always just this beautiful person. So what you're us. alluding to is Jen had an influence in your life. She did. You know, we only had one, we've only had one argument uh, since we've been together. We've been together now for seven years. Uh, Jen was judging with me, you know, she was a, a pro bikini competitor and obviously she couldn't do that as when we got together. So we started using her as a judge and we're in a hotel one night at a competition and I'm going through the scores, you know, talking about the other judges as we did, like these guys are bozos and I'm just throwing the scores mm-hmm. out. And she goes, wait a minute, why are you throwing scores out? Said, because we don't count them. They're called shredders. So I already know what the results have to be. I have them, you know, on this text message, what I have right. to get them to. She goes, so I'm sitting at that table all day and it doesn't matter. I'm like, 
you knew that, right? <laughs> Doesn't everybody know that? You know, and uh, she was like, no. And she goes, I, I use my score. I'm like, it doesn't matter whether you use your score. I can write it down, but it's gonna, not going to change things. And the man, she was mad. And she's like, you know, we're athletes. We've, you know, and I was like, I get it. I get it. But is, you know, it's, it's not the business. It's not the business model. And I even hate to associate the word business with what we were doing. It, it was, was a business. It was, yeah, it was. It was it's the, an appropriate one or not. It's that's a business, right. right? Yeah, it was a financial model. Right. And I just want to point out that in my experience, it wasn't just in the contest. It, it, the whole industry was, you know. It, it, Top to bottom. Yeah. And, and I mean, there are certainly exceptions and there's many of them. Uh, but it certainly can be found in pretty much every corner of the industry. So. That's right. And, and so, you know, come September um, of 2015, I was pushing pretty hard, but uh, I'd been on the phone with a, a former Mr. Olympia. Um, and I, I just want to make a point here that you're, you're talking about what you did, yes. not what anybody else did. This is what I did. This is what you did. I, I, I'm fully responsible for my actions. Right, okay. What others do, I, you know, I, I did not know. But this is what I did and uh, at my level. So I was talking to, you know, the semester Olympia, and, uh, you know, he said, you know, listen, I know you're wanting to make some changes, but, you know, maybe we should pray. And I'm like, well, you guys pray? Cool, you know. <laughs> pray over me, whatever that, yeah. you know. I, I understood prayer. I wasn't naive to that whole yeah. thing. And so he prays over me and said, you know, God, give him a sign if, if he's doing the right thing. And I'm like, cool, I know I'm doing the right thing, <laughs> you know. And uh, 72 hours later. Got hit by lightning? <laughs> <laughs> well, a 300-pound guy falls in my lap, Kai Green. Right. You know, so all this stuff is going on. He's made a video at midnight. It's 5 a.m. I'm getting a call from the same Mr. Olympia saying, have you seen the video? You got your sign. And I'm like, wow, okay, told you we got to move. we got to make things happen. You know, so in, in a matter of 24 hours, I went from, you know, NPC isn't for me to creating a whole organization to stir around the Olympia. And it was, it was just, it was, it was a whole prideful time. But here's a lesson in there. It's, I want to go back to that. It was a what? A prideful time? Prideful time for me. Because I remember watching that unfold and I thought, oh my gosh, like what's, what's behind this? And what, what was behind it really? What was behind it was trying to make it better. I wanted it to be longevity. It needed to be about the athletes. We It wasn't about the athletes. Right. It was never about the athletes from the beginning. But as somewhere along, I was gaining a conscience. I was getting you know something inside of me that said, you know, we got to make a change. Uh, there's too many people being hurt. There's too many people being devastated. Athletes are being hurt. And now when you're taking a major name like Kai Green and you're not only not letting him compete, but you're saying he's banned from the expo, now this kid doesn't have a chance to make money. Somehow that hit me in the heart and it hurt me. It hit me really hard. So I'm going to make a stand. Uh, but my pride made my stand a little bit bigger than it probably should have been. <laughs> you know, so I make the resignation. I quit, do all this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled to take over in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is a big move. Um, I also thought that people love me and they will come. You build it, they will go. Everybody's tired because you, you, you I mean, you obviously were is in the sport. Is that the ego again or just naivety? I think probably ego, okay. you know, uh, I'd like to say it was naive, but, uh, because it's, it's, you know, you were in the sport, you, you know, that people would gripe night and day. We mm -hmm. don't like the politics. We don't like this. We don't like that. So and I, I learned a long, long time ago, uh, because, uh, there's another gentleman, high profile judge that we wanted to make a difference and make, uh, you know, make some changes. And we tried to do that and resulted in, uh, you know, him getting, quote unquote, blackballed his words, uh, for quite some time. And for me, I mean, I lost my press credential seven times. That was a part of that, Terry. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's where our friendship went, right, went, went, went left. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, that's just it. And just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And, uh, when I realized that I couldn't, and the thing of it is, is that, uh, there was no support. 
from anybody. We're trying to save people that really didn't want to be saved. And so that's what made me just kind of, okay. Well, you know, it's really interesting. You say that people don't want to be saved. So, you know, prophetically speaking, so a mm-hmm. word of, of uh, prophecy is something that would people would foretell, in, in, you know, in the future. So I'm with Kai Green on the Saturday night at the Olympia. I'm standing in a long line, you know, wanting to see him and, and get face-to-face with him. So Kai and I are talking. And he reaches over and he, he whispers in my ear. Now, uh, he says, don't forget, my people were held in bondage for 400 years. And when I walked them out, they were still wanting to go back to the taskmaster. And I'm thinking, right. wow, he's talking about African-American slavery. And, and he's not. You know, no, no, he's not. But he's, I'm talking not about, he's talking about Moses he's, in Egypt. He's, he's talking about Moses in Egypt. I had yeah. no idea. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But I'm right, thinking, right. you know, okay, guy, thank you for, you know, I get the slavery picture. But no, I'm going to lead these people to the promised land. I, that word I did know, promised land. Everybody, <laughs> everybody knows the promised land. I'm going to lead this out of there. And, uh, you know, as time went by, uh, you know, the fight came, the enemy came, and he came hard. Um, and so you're two people on an island fighting thousands, and not just in the United States. It was a global warfare. It's a global thing, yeah. It was a global warfare. So, you know, the death threats were coming, and, you know, so my kids were being threatened. Uh, my family was being threatened. And, and so the enemy knew how to push my buttons because I was prideful and I also had money. Money and pride are two dangerous, dangerous elements. Right. Uh, and so I'm fighting at everything I got. You know, um, it, it was still for the athletes at heart. And, and, and that was even more so for the athletes at heart because if you're going to try to do this to me, I know what we've done to these, these kids. And so now I'm going to fight. Uh, but it was the wrong fight. The heart was in the right place, but the fight was wrong because I began fighting the way they fought. You know, you want to come at me with my past, I'll just throw your past out you, you right. know, at you. And, uh, you know, right. I, I had this uh, famous burn video that everybody had on YouTube where I just went down a whole list and da 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 I remember know. watching it. <laughs> it was painful. <laughs> at the time, it was it was very therapeutic. Yeah, you know, no, probably was, something you could have just wrote down and not ever put out there. Uh, you know, the wise man would have done that. Uh, I was not wise at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was lost in anger. But so I make this burn video and, 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 and things just, you know, I'm angry. I can't believe I'm, you know, all every day I'm walking around going, how can people not understand the truth? You know, and then yeah. it, it just one day I just, you know, it was just moving around. We were in federal lawsuits and, and uh, now we're in June 2016 and things are just, you know, nobody's talking to me. I, I don't have any friends now. I mean, it's Jen and I. We're the, the mm-hmm. lone rangers. I mean, people that, you know, would call me don't even answer a phone call no more. I don't have text. And, and, and the enemy was isolation. That's that's what the enemy does to anybody. The Satan will always isolate you in your mind or by people so that he can have his way in your head. And when he gets you isolated, he can lie to you. Mm-hmm. And when he lies to you, you begin believing him because you have no, you don't know the truth. You know, what were some of those lies? Um, that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, I didn't have a father because I was this way. I was, you know, I was a messed up guy. I'd lied. I'd stole. I'd, you know, been an adulterer. Uh, I'd, you know, hurt my kids, you know, through, you know, multiple marriages, uh, the relationships. Uh, I was mean to people. Um, I mean, just. So a lot of guilt came to rest. A lot of guilt. Man, a lot of guilt and shame. A lot of guilt and shame. Did the money cover that up before? And the power? Yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, because I guess the question is this Did that not always exist? Or did it just come out then? No, I, it, it, it always existed. But th- that's where, like, when you have money, you know, you know, you hear people say, "Oh, money." You know, people who say money can't buy happiness just don't know have enough. Yeah, you know, and that's <laughs> that. That too is a lie, uh, because you know, when you have money, uh, you can, you know, when you're feeling bad, you'll run out, and I would go out and buy a fifty thousand dollars watch. 
and I'd feel great for the first you know hour. And then when the first person that didn't notice I had a fifty thousand dollar watch on, it would be like, man, that's pretty depressing. Right? Did you see my watch, man? Do you know, <laughs> look, I got money. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about my watch, and you're not looking at it, and then you realize that there's a void in your life. You don't know what it is. Um, but you know, it, it's just that that money can ease the pain for a second, but it never gives you anything. It was just like uh, being in, you know, I wouldn't even call them relationships with women. Uh, I would just say, you know, the, the, the one night things or the, the mm-hmm. one, two week things. Um, they were temporary mm-hmm. because sometimes you'd even wake up in the morning and go, what am I doing? I mean, you're, you're a guy talking. So guys, I know you're out there going, I would never say that. <laughs> yes, you, you would. Yeah, yeah, you would. I, I did. I did. And I was a guy who had plenty. Uh, and, and I would wake up, what am I doing to my life? You know, who am I? Why am I doing this? And so I was struggling and not only am I struggling, but I'm, I'm, I'm creating chaos. I'm damaging lives. And, you know, uh, I had daughters. And were you, I, were you aware of that at the time? No, not at all. No, not that you were I'm, damaging lives? Yeah. I mean, I, no, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't get it. And, you know, people say, well, that you, you have to know you're hurting people. Uh, you know, when, when you're lost, it's, it's, it's like a blind man. When you ask this blind man, if you go to a blind man and say, how many fingers am I holding up? You know, you can't be mad at him because he doesn't know. No. I didn't know what I was doing was hurting him because I was more focused on myself. I was selfish. And it, everything was inward instead of being outward. So I didn't care what was happening There's out an there. an analogy I have about this, and it's a story about me building my house, my first house that I bought. And uh, I was putting in the subfloor. And while I'm working on this house, I could see everything. I had all these crew people working there and food coming and kids playing. And I, I was in charge of it all, right, watching it all, until I smacked my thumb with the hammer. And the only thing on the planet that existed was my thumb. <laughs> Somebody could have stolen my kids, ran off, burnt down the house. It wouldn't have mattered because all I could see was my thumb. And and I've used that analogy many, many times is that when you're in that place where, and I want to call it hurting, when you're really, really confused, when when your self-worth is diminished to nothing and, and when nothing makes sense and you're just trying to make sense and you're just trying to get through the day, it's like that thumb. And it is hard. I, and, and I'm telling you this because, you know, my situation was very different, but uh, different in a very similar way, you know, uh, right. where it's just, you know, you just really, you're so confused in justifying what you're doing and you know, that you really stop and, and you really don't see right and wrong. Well, and people are, are quick to say, well, you're a narcissist. Well, you know, right. narcissism is a evil spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It, it comes from what we'd call the Jezebel spirit. It, mm-hmm. It's a spirit that lives inside of you. It makes you think only of you, focuses inward. Uh, so I had a lot of demonic spirits. And, and I don't say that jokingly because people are walking around with them and not knowing that this is going on in life. Because, you know, the enemy, the devil, he came to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And right. if you don't know the truth, you don't you don't realize that. And we just look at people going, well, yeah, he's a narcissist, you know, or, you know, she's this or she's that because we're judging everybody. That's what the world is today is about judgment. Sticking them in boxes. Put them in a box. Right. Not knowing that there's something going on there. And or the, you know, the other option is, you know, you need therapy. You should get some self-help books. That's the cure you know? for everything. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you, I mean, I was already on everything. Xanax. And I had it all. I mean, I was good. Yeah. You know, I had my weed. So, you yeah. know, I had, you know, I had plenty of medication. That was yeah. not, that wasn't the issue. You cannot fix a heart condition. Right. It was not a mental condition. It was a heart condition. Wow. That's powerful. And uh, it was, you know, so it, it was all these things. And so June, you know, I'm going downhill fast, you know, um, I'm, I'm laying under my desk, you know, sometimes days at a time, just trying to figure out how did I mess up? I don't lose. Uh, you know, since I was, you know, 17, I think I started my first business and I had never lost anything. You know, mm-hmm. I'd had ups and downs like every business, but it, I would always come out on, on top. 
Uh, but June, it wasn't looking good. July wasn't really looking good. And uh, I was in depositions and various federal courtrooms. And, and the battle was, we were winning the battle in the court, but it wasn't winning the war in the public eye. And right. that was devastating. That was devastating. Courts were agreeing with us, but yet the athletes weren't. And they, right. they had this, well, they, there was a blind allegiance. Well, but but what I'm saying is in you, that oh. would be your, your pride. You have to win, right? Yeah, I needed to win. And I was trying to break this this blind allegiance that I even carried to this old organization. I had a blind allegiance. Why am I, why am I fighting for this thing? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, so how did the NSL come to birth out of that? Because the NSL today is obviously a... The antithesis of, of that place where we both came from. Right. Uh, how did that morph into what it is now? Well, it came in November of. of uh, obviously, it came. Uh, you were in charge of the organization. You right. drove the whole thing. Jen, of course, is a co-founder. But at that time, that was your vision. You had you you drove the whole thing. So how did it turn into? And how did that your own personal walk? Your own personal walk. How did did it all transition at the same time? How did that play out? Well, the NSL came out about um, in, like I said, if we go back to March of 2016 or 2015, I'm already planning for the transition that's to occur in September. I'm going to reshape what we know is the biggest organization in the world. I'm going to reshape it to, to do this way, adding more divisions, breaking up because I wanted athletes to compete healthy and to be healthy. I wanted a scoring system that was transparent. And so all this thing didn't just appear in November of 2016. It was already a game plan that I was working on. And I had shared it with the, the leader of the other organization, giving him a 26-page business plan. Of course, he, you know, I find out he tells me I never looked at it. And I'm like, well, you had the whole game plan right in front of you. So right. now you know what I'm going to do. So in, in November 2016, I just took everything that I had been planning to do, and we put the NSL name on it. Now, the NSL name came via Jen, so I want to make sure credit is due there with Inspire. Uh, yeah, let's the name. What was the name? Uh, Inspire Sports League. Inspire uh, Sports League. Yeah, with the right. N. And, right. and, and God had placed that on Jen's heart. We, we know that. Uh, now, I didn't know that then, but I know that now. Jen, uh, you know, shares that with me later on, and, and he puts that on her heart. And it's later confirmed by a very prophetic man. Uh, around 3,000 people were sitting in Orlando, Florida. Just another podcast for a later date. Um, I watched that video, by the way. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was amazing. That, that is another podcast, but man, yeah, yeah okay. So Inspire comes along, uh, and, and so now we're in November 2016. We're trudging along. So I'm running dual duties. I'm trying to create a sports league. I'm trying to talk to uh, people in the industry, sponsors, things like that, and manage three federal lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And you know, and being prideful and egotistical, and this is not a good combination. So everything goes. So we move forward to. Uh, August uh, 18th of, of 2016, uh, I was sending uh, Jen, and at that time uh, we had an assistant named Stephanie. They were going to go to Austin to work on some of our clothing line, which thank goodness we had now have Anna and, and you and, and Blessed Body Wear and, and, and all that stuff. But they were going to Austin. I was going to take my life that day. I had been under uh, my desk for about three and a half days. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, literally under my desk. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just depressed. I didn't want to talk to anybody. didn't want anything to do with anything. And uh, Jen was like, you know... I just want to stay here. I should stay here. I'm like, you got to go. You know, I'm fine. I'm just tired. I'm not feeling good. This lies. <laughs> Whatever mm -hmm. could get her out the door. So she leaves. I get up. It's about, you know, seven in the afternoon now. And I go into the bathroom and I make sure everything's ready to go because I'm going to go get the gun. 
but I just didn't want it to be messy. I'm sort of, you know, still have ADDs mm-hmm. about all those things. I just didn't, or OCDs, I should say, I didn't want to be messy. Didn't want to be messy. Didn't want to cause any grief for a lot of people. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking that my life was being selfish by taking it from my wife who loved right. me or from my children who loved me. But right. now I'm thinking about me, but at least I wanted to be clean. Don't want I mean, the mess to be there. You know, if you find any humor in it, it was the fact that I, I did <laughs> want to keep the shower clean. Um, and I got up to get my gun and it was gone. Okay, well, now I'm cussing. Now I'm mad. My loving wife stole my gun so I wouldn't kill myself. <laughs> what kind of person is she? <laughs> Why would you do this? And obviously can't call on the phone. Uh, hey, babe, where is the gun? Where'd you put the gun, babe? You know, you, you know where'd you put it? So I, now I'm just mad. Now I'm laying under the desk. I'm crying. I'm literally crying like a kid because... Now I'm going to have to jump, and, you know, I'm scared of heights. 27 <laughs> floors up. I don't, still that selfish guy in the yeah, end. Right? Yeah, still, I, exactly. I'm being yeah. selfish, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, the gun would have been so much more easy. And as I'm laying there crying, sulking in my own pride, I hear a voice inside of my heart. It says, get up and stand up. I'm like, what? And I heard it again, get up and stand up. And this time it was a little bit more, there was a little bit more pitch to it. I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm crazy. I'm hearing things. Now I do have to jump, you know? And I heard a third time, get up and stand up on your feet. Let me show you who you were created to be. And I looked outside of my desk. You know, I was under it, so I rolled under, sort of pitched under. I'm like, God? It's like, get up. So I got up, and I was, you know, standing up. And, you know, I don't know if I was slouched. Apparently I was because he said, stand straight. And I stood straight, and he says, I'm going to show you who you were created to be. I've called you because I'm going to take you into the darkness and you're going to be my light. Wow. And I'm going to send you back into that community. And I thought, okay, good. He's going to bring me the whole people back tomorrow, you know. Uh, still prideful because I've only, you know. Right. I haven't given my this life. This is yet. all new. <laughs> I'm seconds into this thing, you know. And I'm like, okay, God, you know, I give, give you know, this is this is awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to just have this conversation. He says, get the Bible out of the, the drawer in the right hand. I said, dude, there is no Bible there. I didn't know his name was God or I was still, you know, I was still not really safe for a long time, minutes. Dude, there's no Bible in there. And if there was, you know, I can't read that effing thing. Right. And he's like, get the Bible out and I'll show you. And he said, you know, just lay it out on your desk. I want you to close your eyes and hold out your four right, you know, four fingers of your right hand and I'll guide you. So I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, open up Psalms 19, 7 through 11. You know, my laws are perfect. They're restoring of the heart, you know, and refreshing for the heart. And it goes on about his, you know, just about how good his laws are. And I, for some reason, Terry, I started crying like a baby. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so awesome, you know. And it goes back to not having a dad to ever give you a rule. Right. Because I was always taught that rules mean love, right? Because I don't, you know, don't play in the street because I don't want you to get hit by a car. Right. Nobody ever give me any boundaries, you know. And now... Here's this God who's talking to me, and I don't deserve it, but he's saying, look, here are my laws. And I was like, dude, this is so awesome. You know, I'm crying. And he said, now we have to go baptize you. So I'm thinking, you know, it's like 1130 at night now. Where do I go to get baptized? And let's go to the shower. So we go to the shower, and he speaks, and I just repeat. So I'm having this conversation going on with God. And it was just amazing. I got up the next morning, the lights were brighter, the clouds and everything. It was beautiful. I didn't even talk to Jen yet. You know, she doesn't even know what's going on. And the whole world shifted. The whole world shifted. I went from darkness to the light mm-hmm. and uh, began falling in love with God. And I'm thinking, you know, this is this is amazing. You know, his love is, is so perfect. And there was a healing that happened 
then and there. Now there's, you know, there's a heat, you know, in the Bible it says, I will give you, a, I will take your, you know, your rocky heart out and give you one that's soft and supple. That happened that night. Wow. The transformation of the mind that comes only comes by reading his word. And, and mm-hmm. so I started that journey. <clears throat> How long ago was that? That was August 18th of 2016. And okay. started, I started that journey. And so that one's almost two years. That one, that one's almost two years. I'm coming up on the yeah, 20, 23 months coming so up. So how did that impact the NSL and the direction of the NSL and everything you were doing, or did it? It, it, it did because I went, uh, MIA is probably the best word, is, uh, you know, after the night I got saved, God said, you're not going anywhere, and lock up with me and learn me. And, and so I didn't travel. Uh, I was in the, in the house uh, probably about four months um, in prayer, uh, which I knew nothing about, the Holy Spirit, which God gives you when, when you accept him, because I accepted him that night into my life and said, you know what, change me, fix me. Whatever you got to do, I can't be that guy anymore, so take me and do whatever. So he taught me how to pray. And I would go into my closet because I'd, I'd you know, read some, some articles online because I was trying to find everything I could about God, YouTube, whatever it was, and it says, you know, go to your prayer closet. And I also saw that in the scriptures, you know, Jesus would go to a private place. The only price that was private was the closet. So I'd go to the closet and I'd be in there just praying, you know, God, just tear me apart. You know, you, you said your word would, you know, was live and active. Make it alive and active in me. You know, divide my soul from my spirit and lay my heart bare. Whatever is not worthy of your of you, burn it. Because he's a fire, right? And that's what I was picking out little things. Like he's a fire, so fire is purifying. So lay my heart bare and burn it. And so for um, about uh, yeah, five or, you know five or six months, I did not leave the apartment, not even for dinner. Would you call that depression at any point? Oh no, no, this wasn't depression. Because I, I think I think somebody, if you were sitting across from a a trained professional, they would probably suggest that, don't you think? You know, they'd say, yeah, you're probably isolating yourself. No, right. I was feeding myself, man. I was coming alive. Really. I was coming alive because I was already dead. Yeah. I was dead. That's why I was laying under that chair. I mean, under that desk. This was a coming into life. And, and, and the scriptures tell you, you have to die to the old person to become the new. And, and so this was a process. There was a calling upon my life that I didn't understand. And, and you'll see where, where God works with whether what he did with Abraham, what he did with Moses, uh, you know, with David, uh, is he takes them into isolation. He took them from where they were going. He tells Abraham, leave your father's home. Come out here. You know, Moses, right. come up to me on the mountain. David, come out here. Because he gets you alone in isolation, and he starts talking to you. He starts molding you into the man that he needs you to be, man or woman that he needs you to be. Uh, and he starts teaching you his ways. It's your obedience to that, your surrender. God, it's all yours, whatever you want from me. And so it was that time that I locked up. And, and you know, around January, I started going out a little bit with my kids. Uh, one of the craziest things was over Thanksgiving, that, that period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like a Dilja, you know, Xanax, uh, you know, all kinds of drugs, painkillers from all my painkillers from all my back injuries, marijuana. Uh, the, the Monday of, of Thanksgiving of 2016, Holy Spirit said, no more drugs. No more. We're stopped today. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm obedient, Terry. At that point, I didn't even care. God just right. got to fix me. So I went through like a 14-day detox mm-hmm. with Holy Spirit in my home. And I don't have any painkiller. I mean, you know, I'm hanging out with mm-hmm. you at your house now. So you say I don't do painkillers. I don't, you know, yeah. do any of those things because I was, I was, you know, I was delivered not only from uh, those painkillers, but also from the demonic. Uh, so here's the craziest story of all. January of 2017. Yeah. At night, it was probably about two in the morning. I'm in a battle for my life, not from a um, 
wanting to kill myself, but there was a, a, a battle over my soul. Right. And I had given myself to... How, how would you characterize that? What, what was happening? I was, I was asleep, and my tongue, I could see in my, my sleep, my tongue was about five feet long, and it was flapping everywhere. You know, I was an habitual liar. I was a narcissist. I was, you know, all these things. As I said, I had an orphan spirit, a Jezebel spirit. Uh, and even though you have accepted Christ, there can still be these things inside of you until they're out. Right. And, and normally, and a lot of times you'll have to have, you know, somebody can pray and cast out the demon in you. Uh, but this was Holy Spirit doing it himself. And uh, so I I was holding my tongue in my dream. My arms were flopping everywhere. And uh, I was just, it was, I actually, ironically, thought initially that God was trying to give me tongues. And I I was trying to keep from having, you know, the tongues, which is a a, a spiritual uh, way, gift of of speaking to him. But it was the (laughs) demonic coming out of me because my body was hot. I was sweating. It was going crazy. Uh, And there was a fight. I could, I could sense. Was Jen there? Yeah, she was there. She did was she there. see this? Yeah, she saw it all. And I could sense the light. Did, this must have freaked her out at some degree. I mean, she's a Christian girl, but yeah. this isn't something you see every day, right? Yeah, I don't. And, and she didn't even, you know, it wasn't like I was asleep because my eyes were open. I could see all these things going. I think she just was like uh, praying in tongues herself, you know, like demonic spirits go. Uh, and it was something that seemed like it, it had gone on all night. But the next morning, there was another sense of freedom. From me, and I didn't know initially at the time that's that's what had happened. I had to get into the word, and I had to ask God, "What in the world was all that about?" You know, mm-hmm. and, and you see it. So I had these demonic spirits in me because the enemy will come into you. You see it throughout the Bible. You know, we see it in in in, in the world. We call it you know psychological problems, and mm-hmm. and there are people with, with psychological issues. Sure. I don't want to don't take away from that, but the enemy will come in you. He will take over your body, and he will use it in any which way he can to get you to commit suicide, to get you to have affairs. I mean, any open door in your life, he will enter and, and get in there and do some crazy things. So uh, that was those spirits coming out of me. And as they, it, when that happened, there was another shift in my life. I could feel, you know, more of God's presence then. I would, now I'm starting to talk to him and communicate with him even more precisely and clear. And I'm reading about the spiritual gifts and, and, and the Bible is coming alive. At first I couldn't, you know, I really wasn't understanding it all. Uh, but Holy Spirit would always, you know, would always fill me and tell me, it was like, you know, listen, this is not for your head, mm-hmm. it's for your heart. And so you may not get it while you're reading it, but just keep pressing through. And I'm like, okay, you know, just keep reading. And, you know, in the first couple of months, I probably got through the Bible four or five times. Mm-hmm. I was just, I could not get enough. I was just hungry. It was like 15, 16, 18, sometimes days, just reading, 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 reading. And uh, it was amazing. So Holy Spirit says, you know, go to Israel. You take your two dollars and go to Israel. I'm like, I don't have enough money for that. I'm fighting these lawsuits. Go to Israel. So he makes the way for us. We go to Israel. I have an amazing experience there with, with God, and I'm now starting to learn about my calling. He's he's giving me a lot of direction to to guide the NSL, to guide his not to guide the NSL, but to guide the athletes in his sport. So how did that manifest itself? Well, you came back and did what? Uh, and again, I say this, you you know, on the surface. You know, if you're used to the the bodybuilding fitness world and and uh, whichever organization you're involved in, you know they have their own rituals prior to, and at some level, it's always an iteration of you know the IFBB, the biggest and oldest organization out there, right? Or not the oldest, I guess, but the biggest out there. Um, uh, it's always an iteration of that, and you walk into an NSL show, and 
things are visibly different, you know, and I think the thing is, uh, you know, the Saturday meeting right before the contest and it's not mandatory, it's just offered and the, the prayer circle, everybody gets up and prays together and, and you see one or two people maybe sitting down and it's almost everybody there gets involved and, and you just feel this, this fellowship, this, you know, the, 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 it almost takes away from, not takes away, but minimizes what I know those shows to be. Right. You know, and it just becomes this coming together and it just never leaves. It just, that whole sentiment remains throughout the whole night. It, it's it's not about photo shoots. It's not about first place. It's about, I mean, it is certainly for some, but I mean, it's it's just really about that, that whole experience and everybody comes together. And so I would say that uh, anybody that has never competed there or never been to one but is familiar, go check it out because it's a very, very different experience. And And, uh, and, and so now with that, how did you... How did you get there? Listening to From him. where you were. And I mean, this is the, the point I want to emphasize here is that, you know, I became a Christian when I was 30. Well, you know, it wasn't until I was into my 50s where I really got into a different level. And when I first got in, first became a Christian, it didn't get easier, it got harder. And that's a very common sentiment with many, many people that I've talked to is that it gets a lot harder. It's almost like you took a, an accelerator, a different kind of a path, don't you think? Well, you know, the night of my salvation, as I was talking to God, God said, I'm going to accelerate your learning. Oh, I'm going to accelerate your learning and I'm going to send you back into that place. Um, and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm hoping he's hitting the gas pedal and I'm going back tomorrow, you know, because right, right. it, it takes a little bit to get all that stuff off sure. and yoked from the world. So uh, he just began teaching me stuff. And so it began with the prayer. It began with the prayer, the prayer circle, you know, and, and I was, you know, fumbling around with prayer, how to pray with, with everybody. I was nervous, but, uh, you know, he wanted, he wanted people to begin seeing who he was creating, who he was molding in mm-hmm. me to, to be a shepherd. And, and this past March, March of, uh, what are we, 2018 now, um, move over to the March 2018 I get a vision at night and a dream you know with a mountain and a waterfall and a cave and a bag of rice and a bag of beans and I'm thinking Jen he wants us to be homeless he wants us to go live in a mountain <laughs> and a tent and she goes I don't think that's the plan you know did we, he say we <laughs> yeah did he did he say well you know and we've had so many prophetic words like you know right. I'm probably you know a lot of my my evangelist friends say you know you're probably the most prophesied guy over guy in in the past you know 22 months that we've seen in a long time uh, which I thank God, you know, that he continues. I'm hard-headed, so he continues to have people speak prophetic words into my life. And his prophecies are extremely af- accurate. You know, I, in the Bible, there's over, you know, 1,300 that have not been missed to the T yet. Wow. So mm-hmm. he doesn't miss when he speaks prophetically. Uh, you know, and I see this, and, you know, then I start praying on it, and he's like, give me 20 days. Come to the mountain. And so I knew it was Colorado. It just felt like it was Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, and so I Googled it up. It ends up being Rifle Falls, Colorado. I'd never heard of it. And... uh uh, you know, so as I'm praying about that, I get a call from a buddy of mine, my pastor, Pastor Mike, who's been in the industry a long time with Stronghold Ministries. Pastor Mike says, hey, man, just, you know, felt like God, you know, wanted me to give you a call right now and that you've got, a, you know, something going on that, you know, he wants to spend some time with you. I'm like, dude, how did you know that? You know, mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, mm-hmm. like, Pastor Mike, thank you. And he says, and he just wants me to sow into you for this trip because I didn't have the money to go. Right. And so, you know, he gets Pastor Mike to call me as the time that I'm praying about it. So, bam, I'm off to Rifle Falls. I leave Jen, grab the tent, and I'm up there. On my way up there, um, you know, God just said, I'm, I'm asking God, why are you doing this in me? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some good people, Terry. Good lad's been a you know a Christian. I mean, you didn't know you at the time. <laughs> right. But there's plenty of good Christians. Why me? And he said, uh, you know, go to First Timothy. And right there you'll see in, in 115 it says, you know, because you're the worst of the worst. And what they knew you as and then what they will know you as, they will know it was only me. 
Wow. So people knew me. We as, could almost stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What the, what the, how did that, how did that impact you? Um, I was like, was I really that bad? <laughs> God and I have a, a good sense of humor. I was like, no, it was, it was, uh, it was humbling very, very quickly. The Apostle Paul was like that. Well, this was the Apostle Paul that he was talking about and Timothy was talking about, uh, and this was actually the Apostle Paul wrote Timothy. And then he said, you know, it was uh, because God had chosen, because Paul was killing the Christians right. until he got knocked off his donkey, you know, his pride, the donkey so to was speak. pride, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was blinded for three days and then, you know, God peels the scales off his eyes and lets him see life for the way it's supposed to be. And so I, my, my walk is very similar. So the, the stand-up get-up, as I hear this the, about the Timothy, because I'm the worst of the worst, he says, I want you to go to Acts 26, 16. And so God will always give me scripture to, to reference things. And so I go to Acts 26, 16, and I open my Bible. I'm on the side of the road, and I open it up, and it says, get up and stand up. Again? <laughs> well, this is the exact words I heard. So mm-hmm. now he's pointing it out to me because I, I read it, but I didn't ever pick up on it. He said, get up and stand up, you know, for I have appeared to you to make you a servant, to send you into the darkness, to open their eyes, to turn them from the darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, so that their sins may be forgiven and they be sanctified by faith in me. And I just broke down bawling because now I know that I was a bad guy. He selected me. You know, he predestined me. I wasn't looking for God that night when he found me, but he, he came to me. And, and now he's saying, listen, I've called you to be my Paul in the bodybuilding world. I'm sending you back. I've prepped you for this. I've made you for this. And so I go to the mountain, and I'm up there, man. I'm, uh, you know, it's cold. It's minus one degree at night, and I did not have the gear for this kind of thing. And so I'm up there freezing, going, God, I mean, if you want me to get out of here in less than 20 days, I'll study harder. In you your know? satin robe and Calvin <laughs> Klein's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm eating my, you know, I had a cup of beans and a cup of rice a day because, you know, there's there's power in fasting. So, you know, it's breaking off, you know, the, the fleshly desires of, of needing food. So I'm up there, and he just gives me revelation of what he wants me to do in this sport. And wants me to bring identity because I suffered a lack of identity. I, I had an orphan spirit. I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me to teach. He wants me to teach to our, our athletes or, you know, everybody in the community who they were created to be, their their identity in him, how much he loves them, and that he's not mad. He loves them. So no matter how bad, like myself, he will get you, he will take you, and he will heal you, and he will give you a life that is just amazing. Do you ever feel tempted to go back? Not a bit, No. no. Does that ever come across you? Doesn't ever. It doesn't. No, because I have more today than I ever had, and I have really? less. Less, if you look at it from the worldly perspective, people go, "Well, you know, your bank account's not there. You don't have your house. You don't have the Bentleys. You don't have the watches anymore." Uh, but I have him. Yeah, I've got a love that I that part of my heart that was missing is full, and so everything else is complete. I don't need anything. Well, you've been here hanging out for a few days now, and it's just that you're just a happy guy. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly very much, you know, you have a path. And I want to talk about that now. I, now you birthed this thing, the NSL, and it's, it's a revolutionary thing simply because really from top to bottom. And yes, you know, in, in a lot of ways it looks like any other bodybuilding organization, but, um, but really it's so different. It's so incredibly different, and, and it's different in all the things that you talked about. So you created this thing, and it's a very unique thing. You're able to carve it out of nothing, really, at a time that was the most tumultuous in your life, perhaps. Uh, not perhaps, I guess like we can say that, right? Well, we can agree on that one. Right, and it's something that is truly special and truly great. And the people that follow it and, and believe in it and support it are passionately so, uh, opposite to what we talked about with the you know the 
anyway, that uh, <laughs> the other side. <laughs> no need to go back. <laughs> right. But uh, people actually care about this, and people actually care about you, and they actually care about Jen, and they actually care about the organization. That's the difference now. And then now uh, we make the announcement that Jen is taking over as CEO. She's going to take the the, the, CEO, the CEO position, and you're going on to ministry now. Jen is. Gosh, I mean, it's been two months, and it's just she's she's just taking it to a whole nother level again. Uh, not indicative of where you were. It's just that you you built that foundation, and and now it's this thing that is uniquely different that will forevermore be uniquely different. And then Jen is now able to focus on on the details that are going to make it an amazing organization. You're still the commissioner. Uh, you're no longer taking care of the day to day. Uh, that's been entrusted to Jen. She's doing a great job, and you're going to go focus on the ministry. Tell me about the ministry. What is the ministry? Well, you know, first I want to I want to agree with you on Jen. Uh, she's amazing for the sport. And, Incredible. And, and you know, the sport needed a woman in charge. It, it's eighty percent, you know, women competitors, and it needs that woman's touch. Um, it's been overseen by men for far too long, and it, it's time for the women to, to stand up. So, I have that commission role. That's to, a that's a powerful thing to say, and I would agree. I, it's predominantly female. And there's just some sensitivities there. Not that a man can't do a good job, right? But there's some sensitivities there that I see even, see even with Jen. That it's like, oh gosh, you know, and just the way she handles things and how people react to her. Yeah. It's just like this was the next iteration of what this is supposed to be. It's very, very clear that it's clear that God's got His hand on this too. Yeah, God's got His and, hand. And on I and I see you transition out, and you're focused on the ministry. And and now the ministry hasn't really taken shape yet, or has it? It, it, it has in, in, in his design of, of how it's supposed to work. God has perfect timing, and, and we always want things now. We live in that instant gratification. But, uh, you know, as you said, we've been out here a week now. We, we've been out of a home for a week, uh, not a place to call our own, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think is sometimes how people describe it, uh, because we're in his will. And, and, and this is a part of the education for me as, as a minister is learning to trust him wholly. You know, he spoke to you, Terry. God spoke to you and mm-hmm. said, hey, provide the guy, you know, this guy a house. You mm-hmm. know, come to, to set a podcast and all the right. things that we needed to be successful, he spoke to you about. And, and that's the beauty of our relationship, Terry, that you right. and I have garnered together. So our, the ministry itself is formed. I, I know how it looks. I know what it looks like. Uh, you know, this is the, that time that I trust him, um, you know, and, and in, in full accordance, because I know a lot of women are out there, you know, going, oh, man, I don't know if my husband said we had to go be homeless if I'd follow that. But, you know, everything that, that God speaks to me, I share with Jen. And, and, and a lot of times, many times, he will speak to Jen, who will speak to me. This whole decision to come to Las Vegas mm-hmm. was, you know, God speaking to you and God speaking to Jen. Mm-hmm. I was not in total. No, the thing is, yeah, you weren't a thousand percent on board, yeah. and but you, you came in faith anyway. And right. now you've come out here, and I know... You've had this incredible, you know, these these incredible things happening while you're here. And I'm busy running around and Jen, Jen and I are doing some mana cell stuff. And, you know, we're setting up our production facility. It's like I'm, you know, I've got three kids and everybody's sick and, you know, uh, all this stuff has been going on. And I just, I come home every day and it's just like, okay, so what happened? <laughs> you know, and it's just almost too much to tell. Like, it's, it's just really, uh, clearly you needed to be here. Don't yeah. you, don't you agree? I, I totally agree. And, and, and that's the amazing thing about, you know, about God and, and the, the apostles talked about Jesus and, you know, this guy did so much stuff. We could never put all these stuff in the books. No. And, 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 and obviously there's no comparison to, to what I'm doing, what Jesus, which 
just want to be clear for anybody right. out there going, the guy says there's so much going on. It's a God moves fast, and when you're obedient to him, and, and that's what I am. Uh, I'm a guy that was extremely prideful before I died to that guy. Now I'm a guy who only listens to the Father, and, and he's my dad. And I listen to him every day, and I just wake up, and you know, as you and I, and I both know, I'll, I'll go pray. And, and I'm going to pray, and he's going to give me marching orders for the day. It may be spent all day in prayer in intercession, meaning I'm praying for the community, I'm praying for the country, or I'm praying for a group of people who send prayer requests. I get a lot of prayer requests. Uh, and or it may be studying his word. And or it's going out and walking out the power and authority that he's given every believer, not mm-hmm. just me, but every believer, to heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead, and cast out demons. So and, do, you have a, do you have a vision for the ministry like you did for the NSL? Yeah, uh, you do you know, want to share that now? I I, I don't want to press you oh, to no. share it if it's not something you want to share yet. Do you want to wait until it comes to fruition, or or no? It's it's already coming. It's already it's it's here. It's to teach identity, but it's to show the power and the love of God through these these athletes. You know, He's placed it on my heart. He he is going to heal. He's going to heal. We've already seen healings in shows. Um, he wants to heal blood uh, issues uh, that have come about by STDs or by uh, recreational drug use. Uh, he, he wants to heal scars that have taken place um, from you know, steroid usage, uh, the um, cutting uh, mm-hmm. people who have been suicidal. He wants to, to clean those uh, those scars up. Um, he wants to restore wombs of women who women who have uh, taken the you know the um, steroids or whatever it may be and, and, and cause them to not be able to have children. He wants to restore those things in, in their life. He wants to restore the identity of who people are were created to be. He wants to break the addictions of pornography. Uh, which is, is very rampant in, in the male part of our sport, uh, drug addictions, the, the steroid addiction. So he's given me a very defined list of things that he's going to move in. Now, he'll move in anything. Right. He'll move in anything. But he's given me really clear things that identify with our community because one of the things that was prophesied, as you saw, was, uh, and I got zapped by the Holy Spirit one day. I was telling the guy the story, and I said, you know, I, I was called to, to a forgotten group of athletes. The Holy Spirit said, no, no, let me remind you. <laughs> they were ignored group of people. Gotcha. Never forgotten. They've been ignored by society, which is why we always say, well, you know, we're like one percenters. It's because nobody's really paid attention to us. But God, the Father, has never forgotten us. And so he's prepared not only me, he's got you, he's got other people who are working to build this community for his glory. And he's going to restore his children. And so they're going to see in these NSL events what I do is I don't, you know, I'll get up and I'll lead everybody in prayer. But I move around the room giving words of wisdom. To, to people, words of knowledge. I may get a word about uh, an athlete, uh, about a family member. Um, or, you know, uh, the other day it was about somebody had kidney issues, and sure enough, the guy had kidney issues, so we're able to pray for him. So God is God. If I listen well enough, which I pray every day to do, mm-hmm. He'll speak, and then I just share. I'm just the vessel. I just move for Him, and then He does everything He wants to do inside that community. So I'll be moving around the community, um, speaking identity and life into people, sharing God's love with them, and letting Him heal. So you're not a pastor in the sense that you've got a church, you're starting a church specifically, like a, you're not leasing a building next week. No. No, it's just a whole different kind of thing. And the NSL is certainly a big part of that. Right? We're a mobile church. Right. The NSL is the mobile, is the mobile church for me. And, right. and that's how you know, I evangelize. So uh, I work within the confounds of, of what's happening at the event. While everybody's doing their things on stage, I'll be backstage praying with their, uh, you know, the athletes, uh, their fans, their friends, the sponsors, and things like that. And, and, and so it's a mobile operation. And then now you're out here and you're doing some other stuff here. You're, you're doing some evangelical stuff. And this is the thing I want to emphasize is that you don't call yourself a pastor. You are a chaplain. 
You are a chaplain. Yes. Uh, you've been to some big, very high-profile events. Uh, they're supporting uh, the, the big shooting in uh, in Texas. Yes, you were there. Sutherland Springs, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so you've been to those, uh, some of those. But uh, you call yourself an evangelist, and so it's not about a box and necessarily a congregation, what we would call a church, right? right. It's just, uh, and so you're, you're here and you're doing stuff now. You've been at a church here, and, uh, and uh, we'll hopefully get to do another podcast about that with Corey. Yes. But, uh, you know, you've been doing all of that kind of stuff, so it's not a structured thing in the sense that you've got to be there at 1030 service on Sunday morning. That's right. You know, a, a pastor is going to... to so, so maybe explain what an evangelist is. Evangelist is, is someone who goes and preaches the word of God, the gospel, uh, predominantly the, the the pure word of God, and, and that's to share His love with, with people. It's not getting into you know the, the Moses and the Abrahams and, and, and speaking right. and teaching, if you will. It's sharing His love. It's showing you know uh, Jesus came, He died on the cross for our sins, He was resurrected, and He sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. Those four things are primarily what I box things in. And I do that by sharing his love with them. I also walk out the book of Acts. The apostles, they healed. They cast out demons. You know, they heal. You cleanse the lepers and, uh, you know, raise the dead. That's what I haven't raised any dead people, just to be clear right now. I haven't done that. God hasn't done that through me, I should say. I right. haven't been called to, to do that. So I know people are like, you raising the dead. No, <laughs> just want to be very, very clear. The old me would have let that fly. But uh, <laughs> the new me wants to be very, very clear. I have not been called to pray over anybody who's dead. But I have evangelist friends, Heidi Baker, Todd White, some of these guys who have been able to pray and see the dead raised. And that's a phenomenal thing. But I've seen healings. And yeah. I've seen healings, and I've seen demons cast out, right. and that's uh, that's amazing. So that's what an evangelist does. I do the work of evangelists, and I hit the streets. Las Vegas, I go here, and uh, right. just walk come down the streets and find people to pray for. Right. It's pretty amingly, and it's, uh, I mean, we could do a million shows. It's been an hour. We've eaten up oh, 60 wow. minutes already. We sat down, and we are going to spend 30, and uh, it, but it's another 30 minutes well spent. It's uh, I could talk about this all day long. Um, we got to redo this again. we got to, you know, and maybe a month or something like that, because I know a lot more is developing and you've got a lot of other things planned. Uh, you've talked with me about doing, doing a podcast and yeah. that will be part of your uh, evangelical walk, right? Is, is uh, having a podcast so that people can tune into what you're doing on a regular basis. Right. And yeah. I just want to share the simplicity of Jesus. Yeah. And you've shared a lot of that with me. And I think, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's, you just simplicity. Yeah. It's just really not, it's not what you would think it is. That's right. Would that be fair? That's right. Jesus is a really easy guy to get to know. It's just real simple. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, brother, I could talk with you all day. I, I know we, we got some things we got to get to next, but uh, I want to thank you. Uh, I think it's, I want to say it would must be hard to sit down and just bury your soul like that and tell the truth, but I, I don't get the sense that it is for you. No, and it's 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 who you are. It's who you created you to be. Now I I have nothing to hide now, so it can be as transparent as ever. Right. So anybody can throw stones or say what they want, but you've you've already told the story. Yes, and I've asked for that forgiveness. And you're off doing something much much better now, and, and turned your life around. That's it. And so you are really an example. Or I'm a model of what can happen to anybody. Right. Because that blood of Jesus washes us clean, and I, I no longer have that that you know that guilt, shame, or condemnation because it all died, and now wow. I'm alive. Well, thank you very much, brother, and thank you, thank thank you, Anna, and Blessed yes. Bodywear for for sponsoring this, making it so we can do this uh, you know, three times a week. The soft pants that you can rub on the your soft, face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, thank you very, very much. And, and of course, uh, you know, I've got a close eye on what's going on because, you know, I'm kind of in the epicenter of some of it and, and it's very, very interesting. And I'm thank you very much for coming on the show and just being so frank and so honest. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, info at inspirelifeministries.org. And that's N-S-P-I-R-E. Okay, I'm going to have a link for that uh, below on the podcast. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you for prayer, for virtually yeah. anything, right? Anything. Okay. Thank you very much, man. God bless. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back in another couple days with another episode of Good Lad Unscripted on the podcast.